The following audio is from the Grove Church Marysville campus. For more information about our church or to listen to previous sermons, check out our website at grove.church. Well, good morning, everybody. Hope you're doing well today. Um, as we navigate into kind of June here coming up in just a few days, um, you know, today is part four in our How to Neighbor series. And um, I just want to say I love the purple and orange and green logo. I think it turned out really well. And so um, just some, you know, subtle hints there. How, how about that one? Okay. And then finally, just okay. Shh. Yeah. 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 How many here? Laurel. Yeah. Yeah. How many here? Laurel. How many here? Yanny. Yeah. I seriously don't get it. I'm stuck on this. Yes, I admit it. But anyway, okay. Let's let's just all right. Move on. Move on. Move on. Um, we're we're talking about in this series how to neighbor. We're talking about taking seriously um, this conversation that Jesus had in Luke chapter ten, and the conversation had to do with wrapping up the entirety of the Old Testament law. And it's said in that in that text. You know, the comment is love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. And the fact is, one of the excuses that you and I make is this, because Jesus defines neighbor as everybody, because he does, is everybody, because it's everybody, what happens in your life and my life is that it becomes nobody. We, we don't actually live it out. So in this series, we've been talking about what does it mean for you to literally look at that command and go, how do I love the people that live near me, whether it's across the street or next door or the whole upstairs, downstairs, whatever, in an apartment complex or whatever, because what happens is, whether it's busyness and pace of life, just ignoring the idea that we ought to do it, whether it's fear or discomfort or intimidation, you and I um, are kept from, for all kinds of reasons, actually getting to know those who live around us. Aaron, last week, talked briefly about how fear kept the nation of Israel from doing what God had told them to do. And he said this verbatim, the people were terrified because they forgot who the Lord was and what he had said. And and for me, as I'm listening to last week's message, I actually wrote this down. I think what needs to happen for some of us is you just need to stop watching Dateline. Right? Some of you just need to stop because what you do is go, okay, I've watched enough Dateline episodes that, that I think maybe every one of my neighbors is an angry, partier, serial killer, kidnapper, right? So some of you just need to turn it off. Anybody? Keith Morrison? I love the narration from Keith Morrison. It's awesome. And he didn't go to the grocery store to buy eggs and milk. He bought duct tape and knives. You know, like, what? what? Okay, so, but that's just a personal thing. But let's be honest, no matter where we live, in our theology, if you're a follower of Christ, many of us in here would say, I'm a follower of Christ. I believe in what God did for me through the cross of Jesus. And that's where I find forgiveness and hope and life. And that's, that's, we need that. We anchor ourselves to that. But listen, if you and I in our theology believe what the scriptures have to say about, about life, then guess what? Where you live is not simply an accident. Aaron said it last week. Where you live isn't simply, well, it's what we could afford, or it's just kind of where we are for now, or it's a starter house and we're gonna, hey, wherever you are, 
Let, let's you and I understand that God has put us in a certain place to build bridges with those around us. And we need to take seriously what it means for us to love our neighbors. But Ryan and I, we kind of put our heads together a little bit and, and came up with, as we talk about building bridges to our neighbors, we need to be careful because here, here's a few ways to not build bridges to your neighbors. Okay, here's some bad ideas that you should write down, put on your fridge and never do, okay? The first one is, and this is just a simple one, don't go door to door with a pie in the face prank. Okay, that's a bad idea and your neighbors are not going to appreciate it. Okay, and Ryan got arrested two weeks ago for trying it and I had to come and get him out and it was just ugly. Okay, here's another one. Don't do this. A bathing suit model slash salesperson. Okay, in your neighborhood. Don't, don't do that. Okay, another one that, that might be a bad idea is a firearms training block party. Okay, might not want to maybe kind of do that one. You can imagine, you know, how that might go. Um, this one here, appoint yourself as the guardian of your neighborhood and sneak around your, your neighbor's houses at nighttime to make sure they're safe is not necessarily the best idea. And then my favorite one, and I think Ryan maybe came up with this one, but it's um, going door to door as a mime slash balloon maker. You know, that, that might be kind of awkward. So just some thoughts. Now, I want to just confess that I've made plenty of mistakes, as many of us in here have made mistakes building bridges towards the people that live around us. A couple of years ago, I remember there was a, a family that was trying to bring an entertainment center from outside to inside from a truck, and they were kind of struggling with it. And, and I didn't know them yet. I hadn't met them yet. So as I'm driving by, I stop and roll down my window and I go, hey, do you guys need some real muscle? And they didn't think it was funny at all. And so, um, needless to say, they moved and it's all good now. But um, so, I remember, I was thinking, oh, that'll be hilarious. And they look at me like, you jerk. So, I, not, not, the best, uh, not the best idea. I, I want to take a few moments and I want to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 9 and what, it, what Paul has to say. And I think what, what I love here is that he paints a picture really for the passion of being what God has asked him to be. And there's a perspective that's good for you and I to hear um, from what, what he says in 1 Corinthians 9, verses 19 through 23. Though I am free, he says, and belong to no one, I have made myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. To the Jews, I became like a Jew to win the Jews. To those under the law, I became like one under the law, so as to win those under the law. I'm skipping what's in parentheses here. To those, um, to those not having the law, I became like one not having the law, though I am not free from God's law, but I'm under Christ's law, so as to win those not having the law. Verse 22. To the weak, I became weak to win the weak. I have become all things to all people, so that by all possible means... I might save some. I can, I, I do all this for the sake of the gospel that I may share in its blessings. Father, today as we stop and pray, uh, as we do each week, we invite your spirit to help us understand. Lord, to, to reframe how we live. God, to, to help us look at Paul's passion and really invite your spirit to create that in us. That there's something about how he takes on this idea of what it means to love others that he takes very seriously, God. And I pray that we would leave here with, with a conviction and a commitment, God, to live differently in Jesus' name. Amen. Paul says, though I am free and belong to no one, I have made myself a slave to 
everyone. Now, I'm going to say something that you're probably not going to like because you and I live in a world and in America where I think we appreciate the freedoms we have and the rights that we have. But one of the, one of the things that can be a real problem is that you and I lean on our rights as Americans far before we lean on what God has called us to do as followers of Jesus. What I mean by that is it's easy for you and I to hold on to what my right is. And if my neighbors would just do this with the CCNRs and obey this and live how I think they should live and be as quiet as I think they should be, as obedient about their pets as I should, then then you know what? We would all just get along fine. But what happens is When we hold on to those rights, there are times where it can keep us from loving our neighbors as ourselves, from loving people around us. And instead of walls coming down, we keep our walls up. So Paul says, I am free. And it's the same type of phrase that you and I would use as Americans, which absolutely we should value, which absolutely we should honor, which absolutely it's a big deal. He says, I am free. I belong to no one yet. I have made myself a slave to everyone. I don't look at the lens of life through through what my rights are. I look through the lens of life at how can I build bridges to other people? And that's the difference. It's this idea of what does it mean for you and I to build bridges to the people around us? Paul says he relates on the level of people he's talking to. Where, Where are they coming from? What is their outlook on life? What kind of background do they have? We talk about sometimes the missionaries that we support all over the world and we send them support and we pray for our missionaries and they're all over the place. But here's one thing I know about the missionaries that we support that they're required to go through training. They're required to, to wherever they're going in the world, they're required to tr- take training to understand the culture of the people they're going to go live with. They're required to learn the language of the people that they're going to live with. And and we all look at that and go, well, that makes sense. Otherwise, they'd be completely out of their element in a whole nother culture and language and people. Why wouldn't we think through the lens of the fact that you and I are missionaries, even in the places we live, to look through the lens of who are they? What are they about? How do they process life Rather than simply, well, if they could do life on my terms, then we'll finally be okay. What I love is he he talks about this idea of giving up his own self, giving up his own rights to build these bridges, but he says there's a point to it. He says to win as many as possible. The goal is not just to to smile and, 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 and be kind. The goal is I want people And this is what should be at the core in all of our hearts. I want people to see God's love through how I live. I love the stories in this room that I've heard about different neighbors and different people that you've gotten to know. I love that I was sitting next to somebody just the other day and we were talking and he said, you know, you've really challenged me about how I live with the neighbors around me. And in fact, me and another neighbor, this is a story they were telling, were kind of at angst, kind of had this issue, you know, between us and and they had an emergency last week and I felt like I just needed to go over and express what would it look like for me to help? What would it look like for me to serve and build a bridge? And he goes, it was amazing how walls came down because I went over there, not with my rights, but with what can I do to help? And I love the stories all over the place, even in this room, as I look around that I've become aware of at bridges you've built towards neighbors you've cared about, asked us to even pray for. 
people facing different ailments or different struggles and being aware of what's going on. That's how to neighbor. He says the reason is because he wants to save them. He cares deeply that others can understand the message of the gospel. See, when we look at this text, and Paul says, I've become all things to all people, but that by all possible means, I might save some of them. We would do well to understand, again, this idea that what does it look like to relate on their level? Oftentimes, as you read through the book of Acts, it says that Paul would typically, him and his companions would, would enter a certain town and they would look for a synagogue and they would go into a synagogue or meet on the edge of a synagogue and have a conversation with the people going in and he would relate to them a certain way. Probably though, and not probably, this is why, because they had a Jewish or a law, Old Testament law background. And so he could relate to them on that level because they understood. And then there's this peculiar time in the book of Acts where Paul goes to the city of Athens. And he says he notices that city is very different than all these other cities. And there were philosophers there that were talking about the latest ideas and they would meet together and debate back and forth all these different belief systems. And Paul went into there and instead of coming at it from an Old Testament law background, it says that, that he wanted to relate to them on their level. So when he comes to the, the, the Oropagus and they're debating back and forth and he shows up and has something to say, everybody's intrigued. We don't know who this is and he's got some strange idea and we really want to hear it. And Paul begins a speech that basically says, I noticed this entire city is filled with altars and idols to all kinds of different gods. And then to build a bridge, he says this, I noticed there was even an altar to an unknown God. He says, that which you don't know, I want to make plain to you. And that's where he starts in with the message of the gospel, where you and I could go, that's just an altar to an unknown God. How weird is that? But Paul understood because they were philosophers that they would talk about all kinds of ideas. Well, let me bring an angle that brings the gospel right to these people. What does it look like for you to relate on a certain level with the people that live around you? What does it look like because of fear and intimidation and sometimes cultural differences, the people across the street maybe came from a, a different country or, or speak a different language or even just a different part of our country where it can feel so different from one place to another. But what does it look like for you to relate on their level? He says, I become all things to all people so that by all possible means I might save some. And then he goes back to the reason I do all of this for the sake of the gospel that I might share in its blessing. And, and, and not only the idea of an eternal blessing of helping people see Jesus and that in eternity, that's a big deal. But also on this earth, when you think about it, and every now and then, not every now and then, often, I talk to individuals in the lobby and sometimes they're hanging out and they're not coming into service right away and we get to having a conversation I'm waiting for a friend I invited. They said they're going to be here for the 945 service. And you can see kind of the excitement. Or they show up into the lobby and, and, and the, you know, hey, my friend's here. And I get to have a conversation. And there's an excitement about the idea that I, I mentioned to somebody. I'd love to have you come. And they actually showed up. Or on a baptism Sunday. As we get the tank and we invite people to take a step and get baptized. And oftentimes when somebody's registering to take that step, we try to work through you. What's your story? What's the connection? You know, how did you, you know, decide you want to take the step? And sometimes it's a mom or a dad. Sometimes it's a life group leader 
or a friend who built that bridge. And so we as a staff go, you know what? We're in the tank and we can baptize, but here's the deal. We would love to have your dad join us. We would love to have your husband or your wife baptized with us. We would love to have you know people that are part of your story in a meaningful way be part of your baptism. And you've seen it and I've seen it. And people are beaming when they watch somebody they help be an influencer to take a step in their faith. Paul says, I get to share in the joy, the blessing of the message of the gospel. So the question becomes, and I'm just going to get very practical for a little bit. What does it look like for you to build those bridges towards your neighbor? We've said it week after week after week. And I just want to mention this because I think it's a big deal. If the most creative being in the universe is our heavenly father who made mankind creative beings, then why not get creative? So I'm going to give you some practical and maybe a little bit creative ways to reach out. Again, some of these are very basic, but maybe what it does is it just kind of gets the creative juices flowing. The first one is simply this, and this is overly simple. You're going to wonder why you even came today when I say it. But the first one is this, be friendly. Come on, everybody say, be friendly. Some of you guys just elbowed your neighbor. It is amazing, as we've said, that we can live places where other people walk by or drive by or upstairs and downstairs or whatever, and we don't even acknowledge them. And we're just busy going by. We're just busy doing our thing. But again, what would it look like for you to simply take that seriously? Be friendly. Wave to people as they drive by. Hey. Or if you're driving by, wave as somebody else is outside. Just wave. It doesn't mean you have to do cartwheels and be weird and put on, hey, like we should move. They're weird. (laughs) I'm not saying that, but just simply wave. What if in the midst of being friendly, beyond just waving, what if you made room for small talk? You could talk about how, man, the Mariners started off incredible in April. And we all thought for sure they're going to win the pennant. And you're like, no, nobody thought that. (laughs) Yes, I'm a Mariners fan. Hurts. Like the greatest collapse in the last five weeks of baseball. Oh, come on. You got players that like, I don't even know their names anymore. What's what's happening? But it's amazing. Have a conversation with a neighbor about that or the weather or whatever. Small talk. And some of you guys go, I don't do small talk. I like to get down to brass tacks. Well, you're weird. It's got to start somewhere. You don't start with, so tell me about your childhood. <laughs> hey, how you doing? I'm Nick. Tell me about your childhood. Like, hey, weirdo. Is that we have a couch in your front yard? Like, you're doing psychology? I mean, this is odd. Don't be a freak. Everybody, in fact, repeat that. Everybody say, don't be a freak. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. I know. And I'm a freak, so don't live near me. Some of you are my neighbors. You're like, we're moving. I know. It's okay. I already heard. Make room for small talk. And then listen, as the bridge continues to be built, make room for more meaningful conversation. I know that your life can be like my life where there are times where it's like, hey, let's go take a walk as a family or Heather and I, let's take a walk. And there's times where it feels like, let's, we got to get through this. We got 15 minutes. Let's get a walk in. And so it's like, hey, you know, we, in our life group, we call the hey and go like, hey, and just keep going. But, but there are times where you need to, to, to have the, the bandwidth or the margin to stop and, and allow there to be meaningful conversation. I was just talking with somebody in the lobby who, who um, was mentioning that they, they were building a bridge with somebody just having a conversation. They go, oh, I didn't even know they were like a, an incredible musician. And they invited us over. This was this weekend. 
We learned they were incredible musicians, invited us over to their house and played this incredible music, and then invited us to a show they're doing. Um, so I don't remember exactly where. I said, email me the details because I'd love to send that out. But once again, somebody who took the time to build a bridge with somebody who had a talent they knew nothing about. And all of a sudden, hey, come on over, let's hang out and play music. And it's amazing. But if you don't take the time, you have no idea. Another one, as far as being friendly, offer to help. If you see a need, offer to help. Take some time. And, and you can go overboard like I didn't make a fool out of yourself. It's okay. But it's amazing how sometimes somebody's moving a piece of furniture and maybe you can get out and, and, and add a little bit of muscle anyways. Or, or maybe you notice that, that maybe somewhere on your block or whatever, you know, the, the lawn's kind of not, not kept and you're wondering what's going on. And, and I know it can be a little touchy to go over there like, hey, you're not mowing your lawn. Like that can, you know, do the opposite. But, but sometimes it's just simply like, hey, you know, everything going all right? Or you don't even bring it up. You just have a conversation and learn that they've had surgery and they just can't get out there and do it and there's stuff going on. And, and that's a wide open door to go, you know what? I, that's going on for you. Would you mind if I did it? I could help you out. But once again, offering to help. Um, another one in the be friendly column, if you have kids and somebody in your neighborhood has kids, what about inviting them to play, to hang out, to, to have fun together? I remember growing up in North Marysville and it was like our neighborhood, it just became like a bunch of kids. We'd run around and play and do all kinds of crazy stuff, but it was fun that way. And I know we don't live in the 19, you know, 70s, 80s like we used to. And, you know, you could ride all over and not get kidnapped because of Dateline. But anyway, so... <laughs> But it's that thing where, like, like building bridges to the people around us. I was, we were outside playing the other day, and and one of the neighbors was taking a walk, and they had three kids, and there were three little kids. But one of the little kids doesn't doesn't have a filter because they're at that one age where there's just no filter, and so we're talking and hanging out, and they they notice, and you know, if you drive by, you could see there's like a little playland that we got years ago that takes a million years to put together. Anybody buy one of those? Yeah, horrible mistake. Anyway, so we got one of those and a trampoline. And so they're walking by and we're, we're talking and, and shooting the breeze. And the little girl who's at that age goes, could we come over and play sometime? And I'm like, no, no, I didn't do that. <laughs> right? But you're thinking, well, you can't say no. You're right. You can't say no because then you're the jerk. Okay. But seriously, I'm like, absolutely. You can come over and play. And I think she even said, well, right now. And her mom's like, no, honey, come on. I go, well, you know what? It's okay. Not right now. I said, but listen, we're going to be around tomorrow. And if you want to come over and play on the, on the playland, on the trampoline, you come over and play and my kids will go out and you guys can jump around and have fun. Great. And they, they left and it was a good conversation. Later that day, she's out on her front porch because she can see it in my backyard. She's like, uh, hi, hi. And I'm like, what's up, kid? Hi, kiddo. You know, whatever. Um, and the next day came and went, and she didn't come over and play. But I guarantee you, in the next few weeks, that little girl's going to come over and play with my kids and have a great time on a little playland and a trampoline. But that builds that bridge. Number one, everybody say, be friendly. Number two, be aware of the calendar. And when I say that, you go, well, what do you mean by that? There are certain times throughout the year where it's easy to build a bridge towards a neighbor. Christmas is a pretty easy one. If you got the bandwidth to make a couple batches of cookies to put them on cheap plates or whatever and, and go door to door and, and just say, hey, just want to give you these and say, hey, Merry Christmas. Again, th that's a great time of year to do that. We had a, a gal in our neighborhood last year went around on May Day and brought everybody a potted plant and just, and it just said Happy May Day on it and literally put it on our porch. And at first I'm like, I don't know who that was, but that's a cool thing. And then I found out later, I'm like, that's awesome. But, but little ways to, to be aware of the calendar. That was a May Day thing. There, there's other, you know, thoughts about this. I'm going to mention in a minute. Okay, so number one, be friendly. 
Number two, be aware of the calendar. Number three, everybody say, write it down. Now, the reason I say write it down, it goes back to kind of the calendar conversation. But number one, we mentioned the neighborhood chart of shame that we can't really fill out because we didn't really get to know our neighbors yet. Okay, but we have some available in the lobby. And if you didn't get one last week, grab one. But the idea is, if your house is sort of in the middle or your apartment above me, whatever, um, people that live around you, putting what is their names and writing that stuff down so you can remember and even pray about that stuff. But then over time, as you get to know, maybe you notice that there's a certain birthday date or a, you hear about an anniversary date or whatever that might be, write that stuff down. And it's not incredibly difficult. It just takes a little bit of thought, a little bit of time to, to grab a little card and say, hey, notice it was your anniversary coming up because last year you guys, whatever, and here you go, happy anniversary. And it is amazing how, the, how far that can go with people that go, Wow, they're really thoughtful. So you could write down names, special dates, info that you, you, you hear about, and, and even um, bring it up another time. Another thing to write down, special abilities. Okay, My wife and I, we have four kids. They've all survived. They're all doing really well. But there are moments where they swallow something, and you're like, I think they might die. And so it's nice to know that maybe there's a nurse that lives in the neighborhood, or you know, there's a doctor around or whatever. Anybody ever made those calls before? Yeah, a couple of us that don't want to admit it, and you're like, if somebody works for CPS in here, I'll go to jail. So anyway, but but there are times where, and it was partly through the relationship we had with different individuals, where we're like, something seems wrong, or boy, this bone doesn't grow, you know, whatever. And it's, <laughs> you make it, it's, it's horrible parenting, so. But honestly, like where we've had to call and say, hey, you know, they've had a fever, and what, what should we do? And like, well, you know, call or take them in or whatever. But if you know people in your neighborhood that have certain abilities or whatever, it's easy to talk to them about what's going on if you're building that bridge. And let's be honest, in a crisis, just be transparent, when it comes to the medical side of stuff, if you have an emergency and you call 911, great, you should. But sometimes it can take a minute, two, three, four, whatever. And if you have somebody right next door, call 911, report it, have them come, and then get a hold of them and see if they can't help maybe a little bit quicker. There's all kinds of examples of how this applies from somebody who knows how to, you know, create flower beds or grow grass or, or, you know, somebody who's a mechanic that you're like, I don't know what's wrong with my car. Not that they're going to fix it for you, but you just say, hey, this is kind of what's going on. And maybe that could save you some bucks and build a bridge to somebody around you. Or, or this one, and this is an easy one. An older person who has way more life experience that you just begin to generate conversation with because you got a lot to learn. But there are people that live all around us that have all kinds of stories and backgrounds and lessons they've learned, but unless you take the time, you'll never know it. So being able to, to, to be aware and, and writing down things you're learning about that kind of stuff, information, but also stories and things that matter to you. Number four, I'm almost done here. Create an online group. I've actually noticed in our neighborhood that they've that somebody created a group and we were invited into it. We're part of it, but it's, it's a thing where we just communicate back and forth. And so far in the last few weeks, a few different times, things have been communicated from, from, Hey, we're going to do a block party this summer. What kind of dates work for everybody and whatever to, Hey, there's some suspicious activity and, and anybody aware of that's going on and being able to collaborate on like kind of awareness in your neighborhood is a really good thing. And I would encourage, if you don't have that, maybe consider putting something like that together because it does build bridges. And I'm pretty sure you're, you don't want your neighbor's house to get robbed. I'm pretty sure you don't want to get robbed. It's an easy way to sort of have a sort of a block watch type of situation. And finally, throw a block party. Like I said, this came up in our neighborhood group a few weeks ago. Hey, let's do a block party this summer. And hey, when you want to do it? But, but maybe you need to consider that. 
And some of you in here go, I don't even know where to begin. And, and I just want to say this, and I, this is literally almost kind of a blank check comment here. But if you're not, if you go, I would love to have a kind of a neighborhood party, but I don't know what to do. Email info at grove.church and we will help you with the pieces of a block party. We're not going to do it for you, but we can totally give you some thoughts and ways and planning and even some connections to put certain pieces together. If you decide we want to do an inflatable thing or we want to whatever, we can help because as a church, we've thrown a lot of block parties. We really have. But honestly, some of you guys just, I don't even know where to begin, but that's cool. If you need help, we will help you with it. But, but you've got to take the initiative and go, hey, you know, let, let me know, but I would love to figure it out and we will help you. Like I said, I've already heard a bunch of different stories of walls coming down and people thinking differently about where you live. But, but I want to go back to this idea of, of challenging all of our perspectives. And I want to read a quote that we opened this series with just to remind us, and I really believe the power of these statements um, are, are a big deal. It says this, what if the solutions to our society's biggest issues had been right under our noses for the past 2,000 years? When Jesus was asked to reduce everything in the Bible into one command, he said, love God with everything you have and love your neighbor as yourself. I read those words to simply say, I really believe this is a huge solution to a lot of the problems we have in the world we live in. For you and I to take seriously this picture of love your neighbor as yourself. How does this series, how does this message help you think differently, help you see differently, and help you live differently wherever it is you call home? Lord, today, as we stop and and maybe consider what we've heard the last bunch of weeks. God, putting this series right before summer where we all kind of come out of hiding in a way, we're from cold and dark and rainy and all that stuff to, to lighter days later in the evening to weather that puts us outside a lot more. God, what would it look like, Lord? And I pray that you would do a work in all of us. That the, This is not the end-all list, and this list isn't even unbelievably creative, honestly. God, what would it look like for each of us to think about who lives right around us? And what does it look like to build those bridges, to be obedient to what you've said, that it's not just a suggestion or just an idea, and it's easy to put it off as well if it's everybody, it kind of just becomes nobody, and we're all busy, and we're all jaded, and we all get kind of in a funk about this neighbor or that neighbor. But God, what would it look like for your spirit to work in us, to see where we live differently. That we can love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and we can love our neighbor as ourselves. Help us do it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Grove Church Marysville Sermon Podcast. If you want to keep up with us, like us on Facebook, Instagram, or visit our website at grove.church.